Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. Joining me, um, as usual, or nine times out of ten anyway, is uh, Manu Vett. Manu, how's your week been? Yeah, it's been good. I'm very busy. This is actually, again, my second podcast of the Wednesday Football Grad podcast, already done and dusted, and it's already published, actually. So it's been a busy day, but good, as always. Always busy in your world, eh? Um, but yeah, we're, we're excited uh, with all the uh, different topics we've got to cover this week. We've got loads on the schedule. But joining us this week, uh, we don't have Ollie. Um, he's uh, busy uh, doing something else, but we'll have him back next week. But instead, we've got the return of Javier. Javier, how are you? I hear you're still at work. I'm going to say that quietly. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's not just any day at work. We're doing inventory today, right? So we're going to through like our storage rooms in the back with stuff that haven't been used in like almost a year now. So it's been a very rough day, but like this is a great distraction. It's a great timing for me to actually discussing some football, some Mexican football with some sabor. So that would be nice. Yeah, definitely. You never know. This might give you know, you know a, a little break and you might be able to get stuck back into it refreshed. Well, I hope so anyway. But yeah, we're going to talk uh, plenty. Um, Guys, uh, let's start. Before we talk about uh, Liga MX, uh, we've got plenty to talk about in that department. As we, It was the first weekend, plenty of action as always. We're going to talk about El Trey uh, and Mexico falling out of the Gold Cup at the semi-final stage to Jamaica 1-0. Uh, Manu, I, I mean, what exactly have we got to say about this? I mean, it's not been a great summer, has it, really, for El Trey? But I think, uh, you know, and a lot of people are calling for Osario uh, to be uh, sacked. He's getting an awful lot of abuse as well uh, from fans, uh, especially around the stadium after this. But I think, to be fair... I mean, the Confederations Cup, they, they, they could have performed a little bit better at times, but, you know, they, they went out to Germany and that, that's pretty respectable. And I mean, the Gold Cup, um, if we're to be fair, was a bit of a B team, wasn't a bit experimental. Uh, Osario was actually banned for, uh, for its, uh, and will be banned for another few games. Um, so, you know, it's a little bit harsh, all the abuse he's getting. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, and um, Javi Hernandez, uh, Chicharito, who we're going to talk about in a moment, has come out today and he said um, he feels embarrassed by the fan treatment um, of Mexico boss Osario. So there's that. And um, I mean, we, we saw what happened following Mexico's loss, defeat, um, embarrassment to Jamaica. Was it a pretty game? No. Was any game at the Gold Cup pretty though? Eh, no, not really either. So... There's that, and I think it's he's being a little hard done by. Um, remember, too, Jamaica actually eliminated the United States at the last Gold Cup at the same stage and then lost to Mexico in the final, which wasn't a great game either, by the way. So I, I don't know. I think Osario gets a lot of criticism. Um, some of it is that he never uses the same squad, um, never the same starting 11s. Um, but, I mean, he is... He's doing very well in World Cup qualifying, um, way ahead of the United States, um, which usually is the only country that matters in that group, uh, although Costa Rica looked quite quite decent this time around. So I think it, it's a little harsh. Um, the Confed Cup semifinal, I think, by and large, they lost to the best team at the tournament there. And that, I, I think that that can happen. And it opened up a little bit too much. Um, I think that result 4-1 sounds very harsh, but Mexico weren't actually that terrible. It's just that when you open, give Germany a little bit of breath, they will take it. Um, I mean, there's been other countries that have heavily gone underneath the wheels when they played against Germany in recent, in recent tournaments. That's been Brazil 7-1, uh, Argentina 4-0 at the World Cup, and England 4-1 at the recent World Cup. So this happens. It can happen easily. So I think it, that's a little harsh. Um, I think it's a little bit of a accumulation thing because there's, of course, uh, still that embarrassing defeat to Chile um, at the at the um, Copa America Centenario that happened last year in the United States. So I think that's that's also plays into it. But I mean, 
in the tournaments that matter, he is on course, isn't he, Javier? That, that's really the bottom line. <sighs> yeah, like I agree with what you what you said. Like in the tournaments that matter, he's doing well. Um, but again, like when you talk about Osorio, it's so easy to build a case against him, though, right? Because you you mentioned the rotations and how he changes players, right? But part of the reasons why you do rotations and your main objective when you do rotations is to develop depth and to show your depth. And and you do it because you have that depth. So even though you brought a B team, it should be a very well and like ready for tournaments B team, right? Because you've been rotating for a while, right? Which, and that's what it hurts for, like in my opinion for Mexico is that you just, you, you didn't just lost, right, in the semifinals. Is that you didn't achieve your objective, right? Like, because I don't really feel that there was real development. I don't really feel that the players played great. I don't really feel that there was the, uh, that development created in the, in the team. So, like you said, yeah, like they're doing well where it, when it, where it matters. I just thinking that those things that you can build, those arguments that you can build against Osorio are easier to see because of their performance at the Gold Cup. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm not even starting with the specific game versus Jamaica because there's a lot of things to discuss about that game in regards to Mexico. Though. Yeah. So, so Manu, what, do you think, do you think Osario is the right man after this? I mean, we spoke a few weeks ago. Uh, I think it was the, the pod that was Ollie and, uh, Javier and I. We, we all agreed that Osario was the right man for the job. I uh, do, would you back that up? Um, especially after this, uh, recent defeat to Jamaica? Well, he's, he's on World Cup course and, um, it, it'd be, I think it'd be a little late to change a manager now. We are only a season away from the World Cup in Russia, and and um, the, he he does Chicharito coming out as strongly as he did. He has the backing of the of the players, and the question is: to who do you bring in at this stage to replace him with? Um, that's that's all difficult questions. I think um, Javier is quite right. You you see a little lack of development. Well, you have to remember that Gold Cup took place while the Liga MX was already in its first match day. And the, the players that are there, they're not the most motivated at this part of the season. It's, it's the Gold Cup is such an awkward tournament. Um, the way it takes place and when it takes place and often takes place when there's other major tournaments happening in the same year. And, um, that makes it a little bit, yeah, awkward at the best of times. Well, it, it's played every two years, isn't it? Yeah, it is played every two which, years. Which is a bit excessive, is it not? I mean, you know, I'm not not saying the European Championships, you know, uh, obviously in Europe, you know, it, it's the, um, you know, is you know, the, the best competition out there. But, you know, surely it makes more sense to have it, you know, every two years after the, or in between the World Cups, you know, it's, or, you know, so every four years, if if you get me. You know, rather than having it every two years, especially when it overlaps with these different tournaments, or is that just, or, or is that wrong of me to say that? Yo, you're absolutely I, right. Yes. I mean, Javier, I mean, I, we, it, it, we get to even, see this tournament every two years, Javier, right? And I mean, it's, it's how serious do we live in the part of the world where we're supposed to be taking part of this and Canada took part in this, but how serious did we take this tournament? Not really. And like, in, in South America, we have the Copa America for years. You have the Euros every four years. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I did feel that the Gold Cup wasn't an unnecessary issue with the Liga MX starting. You know what I mean? Like, if, if the Cup would be every four years, you, it, it's easier to have the, to find the flexibility to like when to scale it, right? Whereas if you keep it having two years, you can have things like having like this year in which I got the feeling that either Liga MX started too soon or like the Gold Cup was scaled wrong or you know what? Like 
those schedules shouldn't be interfering between each other, right? It hurts the players because they don't get too much rest. It hurts the broadcasting because you have like conflicting schedules. Like it's some people do just simply do not have enough time to watch everything, right? And they would like so, right? So I I think it's an issue. I agree with you, Bryson Man. Yeah, also with it being every two years, it kind of, uh, I don't know, waters down the quality and the importance of the competition. You know, I I think if it was that regular in Europe, obviously I'm based in Europe, you know, so I, I can have a bit more of a, a say on that, you know, but I think if it was every two years, you know, I, for nations like, say, Northern Ireland, like where I'm from, you know, it, it's seen as such a big deal. It's uh, exciting. You qualified for the Euros, but if it's every two years, you're, you're not going to share that importance, you know, and I don't, I don't, and I think that isn't just for the fans, but I think it also goes for, you know, for the, the likes of the TV companies, but also the players as well, you know, and it's, it's, you know, they'll just be like, it's okay. We've got, we've got it again in two years. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you see that even the, the countries taking part, uh, MLS shut down for two weeks and now is back on, on the go. Um, and the players, you know, the, the players are coming slowly back. It's just awkward all around. And the United States took a B team there and then they can switch the, the, the squads around for after the group stage. And, and it's a whole bunch of problems with this tournament. And I think they really need to take a long and hard look at the Gold Cup. Um, I have another problem that I have with it that it's always staged in the United States. I think that needs to be a rotating, rotating tournament. And, um, I think that's a tournament that needs to be completely reformed. But, uh, you know, as for Mexico, I think it's really hard to judge Osorio on a tournament that no one really seems to care about. So, um, I think, I think he will be under scrutiny for the next few World Cup qualifiers. And that's really where he has to focus on. Yeah. I, I think that's... if you look at Mexico, they've, they've changed managers so regularly. Uh, I, I think we agreed previously that they need to, they need a bit of continuity. They need to stick with them a little longer. And, you know, I think it was you, Javier, that said before, I mean, it's all very well saying, oh, get rid of him because, you know, things have not really went uh, as, as well as people would have hoped. But, you know, what, what are your other options? I mean, people are saying, like, Sotuka, you know, could be appointed or Almeida, you know, and, you know, the, these guys, I can't imagine wanting the job over the, the positions that they already have, you know. And yeah, I, I just, I, I don't see any better options at the moment. I, I, I mean, we've got to remember that that goal, goal cup team was, was it was a B team, you know. It's yes, we, we would have hoped to have seen more from them, but it was a B team and you lost at the semi-finals. You know, it, it's fine. It, as Manu says, we've got World Cup qualification. Um, and yeah, I, I think we need to uh, lay off it a little bit. If the World Cup goes really bad, yeah, I suppose he, he's going to have to go, though, I, I suppose. And you can reassess then. But, yeah, like, right. and it's, it's not just the position, it's just the timing, like Mano mentioned. Like, so you get rid of Osorio now, and, and what? Find a, find a coach that is available right in the middle of Liga MX or look for unemployed options. Uh, that's tough. That's tough. And like, and given like the emotional stability of Mexico right now, it, it's, it's, it will be a very rough job. I, I will keep Osorio all the way through. Let's go to the World Cup. Let's get to the World Cup. Let's play in the World Cup and assess them. Because what if he does great in the World Cup? What basis do you have to, what grounds do you have to, to get rid of him then? You know what I mean? So you have priorities. Make sure those priorities and expectations are met and just go from there. Yeah, I think so. But um, one man that uh, is giving uh, Osario uh, a backing is uh, Chicharito, who's uh, moved from Bayer Leverkusen, a man that we've covered uh, rather closely, uh, Manu and I, on the uh, Gagan Pressing uh, podcast, uh, has joined West Ham. So he's, uh, he's moved over to London, where I'm actually based. Um Guys, what can we say about this deal? I mean, if, if I had to share my opinion on it, I think it's a great move for West Ham. I mean, I highly rate Chicharito. He's been in the Premier League. He's done it before, but he scored goals everywhere he's been. Um, I think it's a great move for them. Is it a great move for Chicharito? 
he's he's remained in one of the top leagues in Europe, uh, which is important. It's a bit of a shame, I suppose, that he can't get some uh, European action uh, with West Ham. But um, I think he could have done worse. Uh, but uh, it's going to be tough. I, I don't really rate the West Ham squad, if I'm honest. Manu, how do you see this uh, deal? I think it's a fantastic deal for West Ham's Spanish marketing company um, position. Um, I'm just trying to find the the Twitter account right now because you guys pointed it out to me. Was it yesterday that they opened a new Spanish West Ham United account? And yeah, I think it was Chris from the uh, Chris Williams from the Game Press and Pod sent it over to that us. That account is. Let me just find it because I think it was already over ten thousand. That was on the first day. And um, it's just exploded. And I mean, we talked so many times about the marketing potential that Chicharito has um, as a player. It's it's just astonishing, really. Um, and this is a really good example for it because, you know, he signs and West Ham United open a Spanish account um and basically that account goes flying off the hook. I mean, he's seen the, seen the same thing with Bayer Leverkusen when he was there. All of a sudden, you know, Bayer Leverkusen had the Spanish account, had uh, a huge presence in Mexico. And that's because Chicharito is such a huge brand. Um, and that's, I mean that he's, his brand is bigger than his talent even. And that doesn't mean that Chicharito is not a good player. He's a very good player, but Man, is he ever adored in Mexico? I think that's that's something that you don't quite understand unless you have been to Mexico and trying to figure it out. But he is bigger than anything, and I think for West Ham this is a fantastic move. I think Chicharito will do quite well there too. I think he he needed and I've written this in an article I wrote for Fußballstadt dot com. I think. His relationship to Bayer was always a marriage of convenience. As long as Bayer were playing in the Champions League, it was great. But Bayer Leverkusen is a club. They are a good club. And they, they were once were a great club. The problem with them is they're situated in Leverkusen. Um, and Leverkusen is not exactly a world city. Now, someone like Chicharito, who is a world star, um, needs to be surrounded by a world-class city. That's why you heard things like LA Galaxy. That's why Madrid went for him, right? Because he has that marketing star power. And um, considering that Arsenal, Chelsea and Tottenham were unlikely to go for him, if someone like West Ham comes and offers him a decent amount of money, and they seem to be building really good things at West Ham United. I don't want to discount that either. Um, the fact that they're playing in that Olympic Stadium, which is... A beautiful arena, although it has some issues with West Ham fans, as I understand, but by all accounts is, is a huge stage. Um, him being able to live in London now, which is a world class city. I think those are all things that were really important for him and really important for him as a brand. And he has maybe one or two years left over here before he heads back to the Americas. So I think this is, this is something that would work for him as well. And West Ham got themselves an amazing player. There's no doubt about that. Two days that account's been up, that Twitter account. 24.9 thousand. That's, that's the power of Chicharito. That's it. Uh, I'm doing a Chicharito account right now. <laughs> <laughs> good choice. Uh, Javier, how do you see this deal? Do you, do you see it as a, a good move for uh, Javier Hernandez? Okay, so I'm trying to look at it like the marketing aspect, like Manu covered very well. It's pretty clear and it's beneficial for both of them because like the Premier League is top. It's a big league, so it's a very popular league, so it will help Chicharito as well. Now, as a performance and as a football player, I actually like the move because I do see West Ham playing to Chicharito's strengths, right? Because you won't see Chicharito playing as a target man or any, anything like that because they have players who play that role, right? They have Carl when they need him. And in all fairness, and let's be honest here, West Ham will likely sit deep and try to counterattack for most of their games, right? They're built as a team focused on pace, right? They just brought Mar- Arnatovic in. They have uh, Sacco there. They have Lancini in the middle to throw long passes. So they they are built that way, right? Um, they, they're going to probably have 
Zabaleta starting a right back, and that's not a very offensive pullback, to say the least, right? So I do see West Ham playing to Chicharito's strength because he's a machine to counterattack. He's very fast. He's very intelligent where to find space. So, and his Chicharito is fantastically clinical, right? He's a very good finisher, right? So the few chances they will get, if you get him, get, get him some chances, he'll score. He's, he's a proven scorer in several leagues. So I think it's a very good match. Uh, I actually, that pod that you mentioned, Bryce, in which we talk about the future of Ficharito, we, I think I mentioned that more than finding a league, you need to find a team that matches his skills. And I, I think that West Ham is one of them. So I, I expect good things of Ficharito. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I don't know why. Um, I, of course, I, I am kind of sad that he leaves the Bundesliga. I think he, he's a good fit there. A star, and I think he would have been a good fit at some other teams. But I, I know a lot of people have criticized West Ham for their transfers and um, the way they see them. I think they're, they're doing some really interesting business and um, bringing an auto which and who, who can play that really quick f- football too. Um, although he's, he, in my opinion, he's a bit of a diva, but he's a fantastic football player. And um, I'm curious to see that him and Chichari to play together. I think. Um, people in West Ham supporters are in for a treat and people going to the Olympic Stadium in London are in for a treat next season. And I cannot highly value Chicharito enough as a football player. Um, this is, this is the marketing side of our side. And he's, as a personality and as a football player, he'll, he'll make this team bigger. And, um, West Ham could not have done a smarter piece of business. Well, man, uh, the criticism that West Ham is getting is mostly because the players are getting probably won't have any resale value, right? So they're building for today with not that really high of expectations. So it's very difficult to, to say, okay, you're building a great team because they're not. They're building a average to good team, maybe, and they're not developing young talent. So actually, as good as they are now, they probably won't get any better in the near future. So that's a problem with the business that they were doing. But that's now, the Premier League, Javier. That's, that's, everyone does that there. Almost no club, because of the money that is in the Premier League. I mean, we covered a few transfers. They're not getting any resale value out of any of the players that they're signing. Any club in the Premier League is because no one in Europe can match their financial power right now. And it's three year, in three years when the deal is up none of the teams in England will match that financial power. So I think they're just doing what everyone is doing. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that aspect. But one thing is to actually buy in 22 year, 23 years old and being able to sell them when they're 28 to a decent value. And then it's buying 28s and 29s that we're, we're going to sell them for basically no value or even if you sell them, right? So there's a gap there that at the end might be substantial, right? For for clubs like West Ham that they'll build in their whole um the whole structure right now in such a business oriented model. So that gap it's an issue, right? And might be an issue in the near future. So that's why that's why it highlighted the, the, the way they're being criticized right now. Yeah, that's true. Well another guy who's been on the move is Jonathan Dos Santos who uh what well, I'd have to say was one of the standout players of the Confederations Cup. He's moved from Villarreal in the Liga in Spain all the way over to LA Galaxy. Uh, that means, yes, he will join his brother Giovanni de Santos. Um, yeah, but guys, what, what do we make of, of this deal? Uh, I mean, there was talk of LA Galaxy going after Chicharito. Uh, some would maybe suggest that they're compensating for that. Um, I mean, to be honest, after his uh, Confederation Cup uh, performances, I'm not really surprised that he's moved on somewhere else. I think he's he's a fantastic talent. Um, I, but, again, I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't stay in Europe. I, th- I think that he would have uh, possibly benefited from another few years there. Uh, Javier, what's your feelings on this uh, transfer for uh, Jonathan? I'm very bitter about it. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm very bitter about it because I, like I mentioned, Don, Jonathan Dos Santos as my standout player for the Confederation Cup. And I really like him as a player. Like I watched him all last season playing for a great midfield that Villarreal had, right? 
And to actually, actually what that was one of my favorite parts of watching La Liga last year is to watch that midfield of Villarreal with Triguero, Soriano, Dos Santos. It's, it's great. It's very entertaining to see. And now you're taking a huge part out of that by taking Dos Santos out. So yeah, it's a great marketing move. It's super smart. He's a fantastic player. He's going to be great in MLS. And he, and the partnering with his brother is brilliant. I'm just sad. I'm just sad that I'm not going to see that Villarreal midfield from that season. But, um, but I think it's great. It's very smart. And LA Galaxy did a very smart deal. Manu, what's your feeling on the deal? Are, are you as bitter as Javier? Oh, this has been rumbling on and on and on for some time. And, um, we know that the deal isn't actually quite done yet, but it looks very likely. Um, I think. For, for LA, it's, it's a good addition and the LA Galaxy have been struggling a lot this year. They're not a great side despite all the talent that, some talent that they have, right? So for them, that's a good signing. It's an, it's another Mexican add-on. Um, it could be also a bit of compensation for the fact that they have been struggling to nail down Zlatan Ibrahimovic. So there, there's that aspect as well. But yeah, um, I mean, I think I think it's a bit too early for Jonathan dos Santos to come over here um, and to play here. I, th I think we all would have liked to see him maybe play a little longer in Europe, right? And um, that's that's now not going to to, to happen. And um, I think that playing in MLS um, is definitely not going to help his development, and there is still room for development for him. So. I think it's a bit too early, um, but I think as a marketing, and I, I talk a lot about marketing for LA and for him as a as a, as a marketing opportunity, it's huge. He's closer to Mexico. Um, LA is a huge Hispanic population, a huge Mexican population. So I think in that sense, he he will thrive um, financially. He will thrive. He will make a lot of money. He'll get to live in a very nice place. And uh, for, so for him as a personal move, it, it makes sense. But I don't think um, if you Osario to go back to that topic, you're probably not the happiest person about this move because you want to have your players play at the highest possible level. And um, I watch MLS a lot. I cover MLS at the Vancouver Whitecaps. Is it the highest level? No, sir, it's not. It's not even the highest level on this continent. So I think even going back to Liga MX would have been better for him. And um, Osario must be just um, a bit bitter about it, similar to Javier. Yeah, and now my question is, how would you fit Jonathan Dos Santos there? Because, like, obviously you're going to have to move some players around because, let's be honest, Jonathan Dos Santos will immediately be the best player in that team, right? And, yeah, you have some talent like Boateng, Giovanni Dos Santos, and Alessandrini that are great players, right? But um, how to how to fit them all together in the same team? That's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's it's going to be quite a challenge, but again, it's a, it's a, when you have the chance to bring a player like Jonathan dos Santos into the MLS at the current age that it is, I agree with you, Manu, it's way too early. And like you take it. If you have the chance, you take it. So good for LA Galaxy. Very sad for me, but well. Yeah. I suppose um, maybe the, the pull of his brother being there as well. You know, I mean, they enjoyed uh, their time together at Villarreal. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit disappointed as I don't think, as Manu said, this is going to benefit the uh, the player development as well. I mean, it's not a good move for El Trey, in, in, in my opinion. Um, Manu, just uh, very quickly before we move on, do you think that uh, Liga MX missed out in uh, possibly uh, tying him up or, or securing him and bringing him to the league? Yeah, maybe. Although I think that um, Jonathan dos Santos is a bit of an interesting one because his family is actually Brazilian, right? Um, although they play for Mexico, and I think it was their father who played in Mexico as well. They, the family is actually Brazilian, um, so I'm not sure who could have afforded to bring them back in. Um, and whether there was any real interest to bring them back in and. Um, the thing is, LA Galaxy have so much money. 
they don't even know what to do with it and mm. um so they can they can go and spend silly money on, on anyone and although they're transfer sum wise the game x team spent more and the the taxes are way lower if you they can spend more players on more money on on squad players than mls ever can but when it comes to designated players because of these the the weird uh, designated player rule in mls that it gives mls teams the room to spend x amount of whatever on on these designated players so you sometimes you find players that way make way more in mls but yet on average an Liga mx player will be making more um, because they they don't have these all these restrictions in place, which makes it easier for Liga MX teams to to build a balanced squad. Well, I think that's uh, enough on De Santos for now. Maybe we'll uh, get to cover him a little bit in the future when he makes his L Trey performances. Um, right, guys, it's about time we covered some Liga MX action. I feel uh, we've been waiting quite some time. It feels uh, for these games to return. And we've had enough Eltre action. Uh, we've, it seems like they've become the club side and we've had plenty of games every week with them. But now we move on to the clubs. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a fantastically exciting weekend. Um, you might feel that I say that all the time, but it, there's always interesting uh, aspects to it. Uh, unfortunately, the first game ended nil-nil. Uh, but we'll, we'll just ignore that just for now. But, um, a little bit of a shortage on goals compared to what we're used to. There was only averaging uh, two goals a game. That's right, there was uh, only uh, 18 in the nine. But um, I- I'm positive that'll change. Um, I mean, last year we've seen a little bit less goals for what we're used to in Liga MX. But um, Javier, do, do you see the Liga tightening up a little bit? Um, I mean, it's, it's always been known as a bit of free-flowing, uh, attacking, and a bit of a goal fest. Do you, do you see it based on last year that those numbers being a little bit less and uh, this first weekend it being a little bit less? Do you, do you see that changing at all? Well, first of all, I don't really link amount of goals with quality of the league necessarily because, like for example, the highest scoring league in Europe last season was the Italian league, and uh, and I don't think Ooh, that's the burn. best. Even though, even though how much I love the Italian league, I don't think that's the best league in the world, right? Uh, or the most entertaining, in all fairness, even though it's the highest scoring league, right? Or and it had, I think, if I recall correctly, between two hundred and or, or three hundred goals more than what the Bundesliga had, right? And the Bundesliga had is a very entertaining league, even though they evidently didn't score that many goals that season. So uh, I I don't have an issue with a low scoring uh, league. Now, in all fairness, I do treasure and value tactical changes and like those like little things that you like not every fan enjoys in football so for me it's not an issue but it could be for some um having said that uh i do see a unusual trend of uh, maybe uh of coaches enjoying to play with three at the back that returned into five in the back more often than usual and actually teams that score early and then just sit deep the rest of the game right i don't expect that that to happen further uh, ahead because at some point those teams will need need actually to start accumulating points right so they won't be so comfortable just risking with that one goal difference so i do i do expect that to change in the near future manu what's your opinion on the uh, goals and the well, I, I suppose the tactical approach from uh, Liga MX, do you, do you see that changing uh, at all, um, like Javier is suggesting? Oh, it's early. It's really early. And um, it is a bit of an odd one because usually you see teams coming out guns blazing early on in the season, right? And then towards the back end of the season when you play for titles and when you when you try to win games, um, then it's when the goal scoring goes down a little bit. But I've seen now a couple instances where that was almost the opposite. Um, Bundesliga was a good example. Bundesliga, you mentioned Italy, Javier. Um, this was the first time that Italy was first in Europe because that was only the second time in history that Bundesliga wasn't first in terms of goal scoring in Europe. And I mean, in the history since 1963. 
So, um, but towards the end of the season, the Bundesliga almost caught up because all of a sudden teams were scoring goals alone. So it's a bit weird. It's a, trends are so hard to predict. Um, Liga MX has now been around since 1943 in, in various forms. And, um, this has been a very slow start in terms of goals. But it's also an odd start to the season. You know, we mentioned that Gold Cup was going on. Some squads are still getting put together. It's a very early start to the season, too. So I think, um, and Javi, maybe you can say a bit more about that. But when you're still trying to, you know, figure out your match formations, you didn't have as much season preparations as you'd like to. You try to show up the things that are easiest to show up. And that's your defense, right? You build from the back forward. That's what every coach does. So I think maybe this is just a case of um, teams trying to get the basics done first and use the early games to get the basics done. And I mean, one example that I'd like to point out, and we'll talk about um, Pumas in a second, but um, Palencia, his squad was very disciplined and that was a team that played very wide open attacking football last season. And, you know, he's under the spotlight because he'll have to make Liguela, that's that's the objective, and he played this wide open attacking football and really, you know, fell down on his face because of it. And I almost wonder if that's one of the examples where you can say, well, you know, he's he's trying to get his homework done early in the season before he's starting to come out guns blazing. Yeah, definitely a different uh, approach. It appeared from uh, Palencia, um, a guy that we. Um, we brought to attention last week when we were to uh, name a few players to uh, watch out for. Obviously, he was the exception to the rule. He wasn't a player. But, um, yeah, he's going to be one guy that's very happy with uh, how his uh, season started. And that was a 1-0 win over uh, Pachuca. And I must say, another player that you picked out, Manu, was actually uh, Castello. And he scored a fantastic free kick, didn't he? Uh, that was definitely a one to behold. Yeah, I think Javi has something to say about that. Que golazo! <laughs> yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh man, what a goal! Um, that's pretty much the perfect free kick, and we've seen Castillo score a lot of goals, um, a lot of beautiful goals. Although towards the end of last season, well, don't mention that. I picked him for he was in the the article that's up on Football Cidade. Ten players to watch, uh, although it's nine plus your coach Bryce. Um, but he was, I mentioned that he, he has to show that the, the early parts of the Clausura last year wasn't just a fluke. And, um, then he goes out, lines up a free kick like that. And uh, wow. <laughs> the rest is just wow. Uh, I think go on YouTube, watch it. Uh, thankfully Liga MX puts all the highlights on YouTube. So you can you go catch it there. It's, uh, Castillo's wonder free kick against Pachuca. Um, what a goal that was. And, and we have to say this, they're a little bit harder um, to place in in Mexico City because this is altitude. It's 2,300 meters altitude. The ball reacts differently. Uh, Javier, you're originally from Ecuador. You know all about altitude. And it's a very different way of playing football. So to get that shot right, you know, um, because if you... If you hammer that ball, it will rise and rise and rise and rise. There's no, you know, there's less air in the air. There's nothing that's going to slow down that ball. So, you know, you have to place it perfectly to get that free kick, don't you? Oh, yeah. And, like, Nico Castillo just keeps looking better and better. He's such a complete player. He's such a complete player. I cannot wait him, like, I cannot wait to see the rest of the season, like, how he does. But, like, for example, this Pumas Pachuca game is a perfect example of what we were talking about. Because Pumas started the game controlling, dominating the game, then they scored, and then just gave the game to Pachuca. And Pachuca missed a high amount of high quality chances. Like, it's usual for, like, for teams to actually, like, try to create opportunities and try to score and miss. That's normal. But the, the kind of opportunities that Pachuca missed, like, they had really, like, deep crosses in which the ball just went through the legs of the score, of the striker, right? So those are very high quality chances that they couldn't score, right? I don't, I don't think that I, that will keep happening the rest of the season. It's, it's statistically unlikely that that keeps happening on the rest of the season, right? Um, and again, just want to highlight one thing. Urrata Vizcaya, he's so good. He's 
he's very enjoyable to see play. He's great. They, I like. I think that if the offensive quality of the Uruguayan national team wasn't so stacked, um, he would have better and better chances to actually show their skills in national teams. Reta Vizcaya is so good. I enjoy watching him play a lot. Yeah, I think we pointed out on Football Grad just how many assists uh, that guy had last year. I think he was second half of the season. I think he was joint on seven, I believe, you know, which is absolutely fantastic. Just shows the quality that he has. And uh, talking of stats, uh, Castillo, that that free kick was the only shot that he had in the entire game, and what a shot it was! Eh? He he really took that. Uh, oh, just before we move on to any of the other games. Um, I believe that uh, it's been cleared up now that Honda has said that he may be available to play in uh, next week's uh, game. It, it was originally reported that his muscular problem that he arrived to uh, go with uh, may go on for three or four weeks. But um, what, a, what a first game that could potentially be, Manu, to take on a Club America, uh, even if it's only maybe five or ten minutes. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's that is a big one. Um, given Honda's stature, and that that's a home game for Pachuca, it'd be perfect. Muscle injuries are nasty, though. You know they last for a long time, hard to cure, and they need time. So I I can't see him start that match. But you know even to bring him on, and I can just imagine um, what's going to happen in Japan. Everyone is going to tune in Liga MX and uh, and watch this game. So. Exciting one. I'll definitely be tuning in on that one and um, really, really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, you and me both. And Javier watches everything, so no doubt he'll probably catch that one as well, <laughs> I, I'd imagine. <laughs> but, um, guys, uh, with the Liga MX um, obviously just starting, we had 13 debutants uh, this uh, past week. Uh, one of them um, really did have an outstanding uh, debut performance in Enter Valencia for uh, Tigres. Uh, Tigres managed a 5-0 win over Puebla. And uh, as much as that may suggest that Puebla were per, and they were per, uh, Tigres had a fantastic start. I mean, we, we all kind of said um, in last week's podcast that Tigres are going to be a hell of a, a force this year, especially with just the depth that they have uh, going forward. And they demonstrated that in a perfect way by by scoring five goals. But Enner Valencia, uh, Javier, um, he, he's, he, well, he's more or less come back in the league just as he left and just um, scoring quite a few goals. And two on this occasion are two very well-taken goals. Three. Huh. He got three. Three, oh my bad. <laughs> How did I miss that? That just goes to show you last weekend I was uh, staying somewhere that promised Wi-Fi. And when I got there, they said there was no Wi-Fi. So um, I, I'm not as clued up as I normally am. My apologies. But Javier, what a, what a start for him. Well, the VVG, so Valencia, Vargas and Guignac, did very well. And indeed, Enero Valencia was great. So now, full disclosure, I'm happy to see him score the opportunities that he doesn't score for the national team. Don't let yourself be fooled by the, like by his goal scoring record for the national team. He's been missing great opportunities recently. But that's not the point. I'll just ignore that for a while and just enjoy his performance versus Puebla. That was fantastic. And that Tigres team lead looks very, very dangerous. Now Interesting about this Tigres Puebla game is that Tigres played with a back three. Now, I, I expected the back three to look not as good as, as, as it did. Now, you did mention that Puebla was very poor. Now, I think that they played a back three just to compensate for the loss of Pizarro, right? And we all know how important Pizarro was for Tigres last season, right? Because actually, that's how Almeida found a way to exploit Tigres is by covering Pizarro, Pizarro, this English and Spanish, it's a little difficult sometimes. So Almeida tried to actually defend and control Pizarro, and that's how Chivas actually find the opportunity to control, the, to get the game and actually defeat Tigres in the final last year, right? So we all know that Pizarro is extremely important. He's so important that he ended up moving to Sevilla this season. Like, he's that important. So I'm just very curious, curious to see how this back three and this midfield can hold up versus elite competition, right? 
because of course you have el chino <laughs> i like to call him like that so el chino's uh even for spanish speaking his last name is difficult el chino celarayan that had a fantastic game right he was the cog in the midfield distributing creating he was great and his goal was also a golazazazo um <laughs> and you had israel jimenez next to him so I'm just very curious to see how this back three can hold up versus elite competition. Because I think that this midfield cannot be, that defensive part of the midfield might not be as strong to hold a better team or a better equipped team to play them. Right. So I'm interested to see. Because if you notice the two wing backs that will be Dan and Aquino, they don't really turn into fullbacks, right? Like, Jurgen Dam actually tracks back more than Aquino, but that left side, it's still exposed. So that plus the midfield, I'm just, I'm just curious to see how they will do with this back three versus elite competition. And I'm just curious. And yeah, Celarayan did a, had a great game as well. So yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I mean, Javi, we spoke last week saying that Tigres will probably be the side to beat this year. Uh, do, would, would you back us up in, in saying that, that? I mean, it's very hard to predict, isn't it, Liga MX? Uh, always, you never know what can happen from one week to the next. But would you say that they're going to be the uh, fancied favorites? Yeah, Liga MX will make you look like a fool every now and then. That that happens all the time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like smart money is on Tigres, no doubt. Yeah, I think so. But... Um, yeah, we're, we're going to move away from Tigres now and talk about another side that impressed uh, over the weekend, and that was Atlas. They seem to have a uh, fantastic start, winning 3-0 away from home to Lyon. Uh, Lyon managed to have uh, more shots in the game, uh, numbering them 15-11, to 11, but it was obviously the ones that hit the back of the net that, um, that count, as we know. Um, Manu, what have you got to say about this? I mean, a lot of people suggested that Atlas may struggle uh, this season uh, and we've seen uh, you know, some fantastic football, not just from Atlas last year, uh, but from Leon as well, but they, they just brushed them to the side really Yeah, I, I thought this was actually a really interesting game and in that um, I think it was the, the third goal that Caraglio scored, where he receives the, the, the ball in a box and it just kind of bounces off him and he brings it down with his foot and then taps it in. Beautiful goal. Great goal. Um, I thought it was a strong statement um, by Atlas, this game. You know, they had a heartbreak, a real heartbreak. They're um, a team without a championship. And I think they felt last year that they could win one. And um, they were eliminated by by the city rivals, um, Chivas. Of course, um, in in the first round of the Liguella, and um, you know, Chivas then ended up winning the tournament. And there's a famous photo where um, you see an Atlas fan crying, and one of the Chivas fans coming over and putting his uh, his arms around him. And um, it's one of those things, like feel good moments in football, that we get every once in a while. But you know, a lot of people then expected that Atlas would have a hard season, but you know, this this was. This is aside from the Tigers performance was the team that, um, one of the three teams we're going to talk about the third one in a moment that convinced me the most on this match day. And that's because it, they, they just seemed so much further in the development than any of the other teams. A lot of the other teams that I saw still seem in this kind of weird preseason mode and, um, Atlas wasn't one of them. Yeah. And I think we're going to move. Onto that uh, next uh, side, uh, a team that have been on the uh, receiving end of a lot of stick, uh, a lot of jokes over the last few years, and well, rightfully so, really. And that's uh, Cruz Azul, as they're um, normally uh, it's bit, got more debatable, I suppose, over the years. But they're they've been classified as one of the big four in Mexico. They've got a massive following. Um, a great um, history, a fantastic start as well to uh, their footballing uh, establishment. Um, a, a fantastic story, actually. Uh, but um, we'll get to that another day. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're a great start in beating uh, Tijuana 2-0 away from home. I mean, I, I don't 
really believe many people would have called this. Uh, I had said that they may surprise us this year, but uh, not to really hold our breaths. Uh, but yeah, a 2-0 victory, and I thought they looked good for it. Um, Javier, um, what what do you feel about um, you know Paco Hamas, um men this year? Do you, do you think they can have a, a bit of a better year? Uh, you should should their fans be be positive? Well, ah, <laughs> uh, uh, Cruz Azul is a difficult one. Oh, Cruz Azul I, seems to always be said with a sigh or a laugh. Yes. Um, so <laughs> the thing about Cruz Azul is that they have good individual players, right? Like, like you cannot argue with like Mendes, Cauterucho, like they're they're good players, right? And uh, actually, uh, I I have a weakness for Cruz Azul because Angel Mena is one of like MLX all-time greatest players, and I'm an MLX fan in a course, so like I have a, a a weak spot for for Cruz Azul, and it's a very encouraging victory because they earned it. Like it wasn't chance; like they actually fought hard, played well, scored their chances. Mendes was great throughout the game. So, but it's Liga MX, and and if I'm being fair and I'm being honest, I don't have my hopes very high for for Cusazo. I don't want to bring anyone now down. I don't want to disappoint anybody, but I don't really think so. And like it's a it's a Tijuana team that lost one of the best players of last season, which is Guido Rodriguez. That matters because you have to rearrange your whole team to the current roster, right? And it's difficult to fill a void like the one that Guido Rodriguez left, right? So I wouldn't play too much into this game besides that first goal <laughs> versus La Hood. Like, come on, right? Like, you cannot really feel proud of scoring that goal. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so <laughs> I, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be. I don't want to like throw anything against Lahoud. It's just Cruz Azul cannot feel very encouraged by this result because of the circumstantial situations that are happened throughout throughout the games, right? Throughout this game. So, uh, at best, let's see more of this. Let's see more of these good performances, and then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, I think I, that, I think that for goal. anyone that. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to touch on as well. I mean, if, for anyone that didn't see this, uh, there's a fantastic bit of, uh, fan footage, isn't there? Where, um, basically, uh, Cholos, uh, give away a penalty. Uh, Cruz will, uh, take it. Uh, Lahoud is the hero. He, he saves it. Um, it goes out for a corner. It's then cro- you know, and the fans are going wild. They're, they're cheering his name. They're delighted. They're, they're pointing at Cruz Azul. They're laughing, gearing them on. Uh, the corner's taken, it's, uh, head out of the area that clears, struck back in, and the keeper makes such a howler. I mean, I don't know what's going on there. But, um, after his heroics, I mean, he's undone all the hard work that he's done, and yeah, this, this is, this is, oh my god. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I, I can understand what you're saying, Javi, that you can't really be a part of this. I mean, They've been handed a lifeline there, really, haven't they? Uh, the only thing is, I suppose you've got to turn around and say, you know, Cruz Azul still looked fairly comfortable and, and they scored a, a second goal. Um, Manu, would you like to touch on that goal at all? I mean, it was, it was awful. Yeah. Um, they got the game, got, they got the win that they needed. And I think, um, you touched on some of the transfer. Philippe Moro is actually one of the players that we featured. Now, another Chilean in Liga MX, so that's going to go well. But, you know, Cruz so I actually thought, yes, they were a little lucky with their goals, but they looked pretty decent. And I know it's early. I know there's still a lot that can go wrong. And if something does go wrong, they would be the club that would happen to. So uh, I want to be cautious <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, it's just who they are, right? I mean, we laugh, but that's just Cruz And But on a serious note, they need to do well this year because um, I'm not going to explain how relegation works. You have to go back to our first podcast. There's an entire podcast on how relegation works. But they have to watch it in the next couple of seasons that they don't slip down there. 
into this relegation zone. So they need they need to have a few good performances so that they don't need to worry in the long term. Yeah, it's very easy just to uh, not really think that you're in much trouble, but then for that to creep up on you over a few a few uh, terrible years. But um, uh, guys, we're, we're saying that obviously with Cruz Azul, it's you know they've had an awful time the last few years, haven't they? Uh, it's it's been very tough for their fans. Uh, we're saying that yes, one victory at the start of uh, a season doesn't mean that you're going to have a great year, but. Uh, they did look good. Uh, let's give credit where credit's due. I mean, it wasn't dazzling, but it was a solid performance. Uh, they've got Chivas um, at home this coming weekend. Uh, I, w- I want to hear both of you guys' uh, predictions on this. I know predictions are hard to do in League MX, but come on, Javier, g- give me a give me a scoreline. Bryce, you really really enjoy giving me the opportunities to make myself look full, huh? You'll really enjoy that. Huh? <laughs> I'm doing my best. It's because you're so good. That's why. You're so knowledgeable. I want to bring you down a peg. You'll probably get this right anyway, so it doesn't matter. <sighs> no pressure. Okay, let Manu go first, okay? <laughs> oh. I'll, I'll make a prediction. Come on, I'll make a prediction. I'm going to say... I guess one nil Cruz Azul. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, I've done it. Yes, you did. You're going with the two wins in the first two games. Yeah, I'm, though I'm not going to rule out that they get maybe three or four wins in a row and then it all goes wrong. Okay, well, well, we'll keep an eye on that. I think we'll just leave it, leave you hanging there with the single prediction. <laughs> okay, oh, can we do that? Yeah, let's can do that. Can we do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been stitched up at my own game. <laughs> Oh, you horrible, horrible man. I suppose I deserve that. But come on, Cruz Azul. 1-0. Um, guys, um, that more or less does it for this week. Uh, I mean, there's plenty more games we, we could have touched on. But um, obviously, Javier's got work to do. And we uh, we, we like to keep it uh, around the R mark, don't we? But um, guys, uh, let's look at the fixtures for next week. Um, I want you both to pick one and just say why you would advise someone to to watch it if they had one game that they were allowed to watch this weekend uh, and tune into to get into Liga MX which one would you point them in the direction to and yeah we'll go to Manu first in this one yeah, that's always my favorite fixture anyways it's that Friday night um, Friday night fixture and this week it's Atlas against Pumas and I have a soft spot for Pumas they may even be my favorite team in the league so I'll definitely tune in on that. And I would suggest everyone to watch that because those are two very interesting games, um, teams to watch. So everyone tune into that. Um, so that's 7 p.m. my time. Um, that would be 10 p.m. on the East Coast and 2 a.m. where you are, Bryce. Uh, no, 4 a.m. where you are, Bryce. So if you come um, back early from the pub, um, that's the one you can tune into, I guess. Or early. UK, the pubs close really early. So I guess if you get up early in the morning on Saturday before workout. So that'd be perfect for you. Yeah, a little bit like uh, what I seem to do. I, I go to bed sometimes and get up for some of these games. Uh, yeah, which uh, And then my girlfriend wakes up in the middle of the night just to hear uh, screaming of uh, some uh, Mexican commentators. Uh, Javier, what, uh, what game are you going to highlight uh, this uh, coming weekend? So um, I'm, I might be a little boring this week uh, because I I would I want to keep seeing Tigres play and yeah I know that it's that's the easy call because that's that's probably gonna be the most entertaining game given that well not the most entertaining one but like there's a guarantee of goals in that game right which you, you cannot say that for every match right so but I'm leaning towards Tigres because I want to keep seeing how that back three is gonna evolve. And if they can actually are gonna keep insisting in that back three, are they gonna go back to a back four and actually find spots in the midfield? I'm really curious about that. So that tactical development and evol- evolution of that Tigres should have this season, it has me very intrigued. So definitely gonna watch Tigres. Oh, that's a good game. Versus Santos, Santos Laguna. Santos Laguna. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. Yeah, very good choice. I, I like the choice indeed. Um, 
Oh, I, I, well, I suppose I'm going to have to say the Cruz Azul game, aren't I? Jeez, 1-0. That's a game I'm going to highlight. Um, but hopefully it's uh, more goals than that. But yeah, two of the uh, the big four, as I uh, said before. Um, and obviously uh, that, that could be a, a, a quite an interesting game, I always say. But um, just before we go, yeah, um, a little bit of news on Lubos. Uh, played the first uh, Liga MX game. Uh, the first... Um, Top flight game uh, in their history, and so they managed a two-all draw, uh, which is a fantastic achievement for them. That was against uh, Santos Laguna, uh, but it was not televised. Uh, this was for the reason that they, all all the Mexican clubs, work on TV rights uh, for themselves. Uh, they all negotiate themselves, unlike the likes of the Premiership, the Bundesliga, or or wherever else. You know, it's uh, all uh, as a league. Uh, they negotiate themselves. Lubos didn't like the offer that was thrown their way. Um, it wasn't significant enough from what I can uh, get from the statement that they released. And it was not aired, which is uh, very disappointing as it's a big moment in their history. Uh, but I think what they can take away from that is that they've uh, put their foot down and yeah, I, th- I think that in itself could be a fantastic moment for uh, for Liga MX uh, and their their clubs. You know, standing up for themselves against these uh, TV rights. So it'll be interesting to see how that one goes. And yeah, we'll we'll see how that pans out. Obviously, when they're playing away from home, uh, like we're playing Kotaro this week, uh, that will be uh, shown. But they've said up until match day five, they will not be showing any of their home games. So, uh, just keep a little eye out for that. That is a little bit sad, but it might be a really big, uh, topic, uh, going forward. Thought I'd just bring that up just before we finish off. But, Javier, uh, what have you got going on this week? Um, is there anything you'd like to, uh, plug? And where can people, uh, find you online for any, uh, the things that you, uh, may be, uh, getting involved with? Oh, so you can find me on Twitter at ZAVXAV. Um, you'll find a, a diverse uh, amount of subjects to discuss, mostly uh, revolving football. So please, you're invited to tweet me and start any conversations. And if you want to complain about anything that I've said today, please, you're more than welcome. I love to have Twitter arguments, so bring it on. Cruz Azul fans, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Cruz Azul, I got you guys. Uh, Manu, what have you got uh, going on this week? No doubt loads uh, on the Football Grad Network. Uh, what would you like to uh, draw people's attentions to and where can they find you online? Yeah, so we're actually going to have uh, the Liga MX game of the week featured on Football Cidage, so that's coming your way pretty soon. It's not going to be the Pumas game because we did Pumas last week, so it will be someone else. Um, have to still figure that part out. So that's coming. And then we have the Europa League Champions League previews. And they were all on football grad, foosballstart.com. And next week's will be out on there too. And, um, the football grad podcast has just been released. So that's out already on our ACAST channel. Uh, you can find it on Twitter and the homepage or Facebook and all that. So, uh, find that at football grad live on Twitter and you can follow me at Manuel Wef. Um, I always like discussions. I think people know that. Yeah, definitely. You're always busy on, on Twitter with discussions. Um, yeah, um, I have not too much to plug apart from the Gig and Pressing uh, podcast, uh, obviously covering everything uh, German football related. Uh, check into that. We're another few weeks away from the uh, season starting, but we have plenty of topics. Um, apart from that, I said it last week, but I'm back in the land of the Wi-Fi, so I'll be able to do my my vlogs. Uh, I might even do a, a little preview one uh, of the weekend ahead. Well, let's see um, if I can manage that for you guys, and then it should resume on Monday, hopefully. But um, apart from that, uh, you can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Thanks very much uh, for tuning in. And yeah, enjoy the games of the weekend. And we'll speak to you very soon. Vamanos! It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.